Welcome to Should I Get Fangs. I am your host, Julie Rossi, and today's guest is the absolutely wonderful Leah Bonema. She is a comedian, writer. She has been on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. She has a new book out called The Holiday Breakdown, and I just love talking to her. We, we just ended our lease, and I will be joining you out there next month. <gasps> You're going to be moving to California? <laughs> yes, it was. It, Julia, I was like, couldn't wait to tell you. I was like, I'll tell her on the podcast. But I didn't know when this was coming out. We haven't told our families yet. So that's why I was like, is this coming out in a I month? I feel honored that you told me before your family. Well, we're driving up this weekend to surprise my mom for her 75th birthday. So we're like quarantining, about to get a COVID test. And I don't want to tell her before because she'll be like, when am I going to see you? Yeah. Um, so we're going to tell them this weekend. We have obviously other, we haven't, we're not, we're not making it public until making it public. Like it's, but you know what I mean? I'm not gonna, it also happened so fast. Our lease was up. Our landlord was great about it. An apartment opened up. You know, there's, I feel like, you know, when you're like, I just want to, I've always wanted to go. You remember I was here there yeah. last year and I feel very nervous. Um, I've also been in the same apartment for 13 years. So it's like <gasps> you've been in the same apartment for 13 years. Yeah. I like laid awake all night just being like, I, I'm so far out of my comfort zone. But I was like, I knew how to quarantine here. I can quarantine there. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're gonna it'll open up when the world opens up, it'll open up new things. I have so many friends over there. Yeah. This is great. I mean, I I, I wanna move. Not because I don't like it in California, just because I am so – what is life? I mean, I don't even – you know, like I live here, but I'm not doing any li- – I mean, I'm doing plenty of living in my home, not to discount my family, you know what I mean, and my child and whatnot. But, you know, I don't go outside very – I mean, I go for walks. That's good. Yeah, you go for walks, and you guys have windows. I see one. Yeah, I have. We have windows in Cal. It's so crazy in California. We have these things called windows, so uh, you can look outside and get some sunlight. Well, that's super exciting. You and your partner. Yeah, we're both doing it. We're just like I feel this morning. You know, our apartment we don't really have a door. Um, so if like one of us is podcasting or on a show, the other person has to leave because there's no way to. So he's just outside walking in circles and he No, <laughs> in the snow. Yeah. And, and then he said, uh, I feel like we're in um uh oh, I forget what movie he said. Obviously it's so important and now my brain shut down, but it was like, but you know, we're doing something crazy and exciting and together and you know, it was about people a couple just throwing caution to the wind. <laughs> description in the movie (laughs) this is not a movie review podcast thank god (laughs) wait what do you mean you have no doors do you live in a studio no we live in a um a one bedroom but the the kitchen is to my right and there's a door and then there's just a huge window next to it as if what why did you put the door there's no glass in it but it's just so there's the door that closes and then a huge opening right next to it with oh and then the the bedroom doors are French doors, which are lovely, but they don't have the glass in them. So there's no way to protect from audio. <laughs> New York. New York apartments make no sense. No sense. But our landlord has been so lovely. Great. So this is your this is your biggest move, right? Because you grew up in Maine. Yeah. This is a move to New York, and now you're gonna move cross country. Yeah, I mean, we are so far out of my comfort zone. I keep telling myself, you know, change is life. Life is change. Yeah. Do you not like being out of your comfort zone? Oh, I anytime I have a transition, even if it's like a small one, I have a complete meltdown. Even when it's just like we spent some months with my family this summer, they needed help. We resided the house, we cut wood for the wood. I mean, we did got so much stuff done. I was very grateful to spend that time with them and to be able to help out. Um, cause I did not want them going outside. Um, but even just coming back here, I was like, it's over. Everything's over. like, I get very, I get the scary. Yeah. And very, um, existential about like, what is time and. Oh yeah. I mean, especially during this time. 
Oh, it's it's really straight across the board for me. I've been like this. So Oh really? Yeah. This So what do you mean like you think about what it like so you get panicked when you feel like you don't have enough time or when you have too much time? Oh, it's more like you never know what time you have with people. Mm. Okay. Have you experienced a lot of loss? I mean, I think, you know, my mom was in that car crash. I don't think I knew that. Oh, my mom was in a car. It was like a very big, um, I was in my late twenties. Uh, my grandma died. And then my mom was down in Pennsylvania, helping her mother who was dying. And then they were in a car crash. And then my mom went into a coma for five weeks. And I slept on the floor in the hospital with my dad. Like we, you know, they thought she wasn't going to make it. And then I don't think we, I didn't, we didn't really sleep for like five weeks. And then my grandma died while my mother was in a coma. And then um, she came out of the coma, which was um, honestly a miracle. And then, you know, it was like a, we got her transferred and we were in rehab. And when she was in rehab, um, all the, she had all these complications from the accident, and then we had to go back into the hospital and the ICU, and then um, back into rehab. And I just slept wherever my mother. And then I moved home to Maine um, for the, you know. And obviously, I'm extremely grateful. But I just, I think since then, I've been. You're just constantly on high alert. You feel like mm. it's. I. You feel like something is gonna be, you know. You're just constantly ready for a crisis. You know what I mean? Because you're every day, it's something, you know, oh, that she's got pneumonia. Oh, you know, she can't be on the respirator. Oh, she's crashing. Oh, you know what I mean? And you just like live in that for six months. And that, and so all these years later, it still affects you with that sense of panic. Yeah, it's still, I think until this quarantine, I didn't realize how, because I came back here after she could after she got to a point where they were like, what, you know, okay. They were like, you should try to get back into your life. And then I came back here and I was trying to like, act like everything's okay. You know what I mean? But I was still trying to be at home to be supportive. And then I actually got sick. I think it happens probably to a lot of people who are caretakers. You, cause you can't, you can't be in it when you're in it. You know, it's your yeah. job to be the person who's taking care of things. And then I got sick. And then my partner's um, stepfather passed away. And then, um, my, it's just been like crises after crises, you know? Oh my God. This is, I'm so sorry to hear all this. Oh, it's, you know, I feel, I feel very lucky that I still have my mom and that I've had a supportive community. And, but I definitely feel like I spend so much time sort of just like being in a crisis state when I was, it it wasn't happening, but I, I felt, I, I felt, oh, it's, Anything is going to happen at any moment, you know. I'm just waiting. And so, when you got sick that time, is that the? Because I know there's a story you're going to tell about when you were sick. Is that the time that no, this happened? This, was this like, is something this else. Was before that, I got sick, and then you know, I didn't have regular healthcare, so I had to take a job where I didn't fit in very well, just to try to, you know, deal with being sick. And then that made things worse. It was just you like, got a new job while you were sick. Well, not, I, I was like, I need to get healthcare. Like I have to deal with, I need to get a therapist. You know what I mean? And then I started having like body things wrong with me. And then, you know what I mean? I was like, I'm just going to yeah. get a nine to five. I'm going to have like regular healthcare. I also was traumatized about the idea of not having healthcare after my mother's car crash. Like, I mean, I, th- I know this is like preaching of the choir, but how fucking sad, you know, that like that should be a stress because Stress is proven to make your body weak. And if you're sick and you're stressed about healthcare, how, of course, people are sick all the time. Yeah. It's so like we were in the hospital being like, are we going to have to leave the country because my parents will be bankrupted? I mean, we really lucked out. A friend of uh, my father's ended up stepping in and taking over the insurance stuff because you can't handle it. You know what I mean? You're dealing with the situation and the bills are coming at you. And I mean, our community really stepped up for us. Um, And then our the insurance company covered all of it. I don't know. Wow. Yeah, except for like one bill. And so 
What, well, it's interesting because I know this wasn't exactly what you were going to talk about on the show, but it's funny because you were like, oh, I was trying to think about a point where I broke down. <laughs> well, that, but- that I thought was funny. That was like a funny thing. That was, whereas this was just like a genuine life crisis. What I was trying to say about the job was that like I didn't know what to do and I was like, I had major anxiety attacks and like my body didn't feel good. And I was like, I'm just going to get a regular job. I'm going to get healthcare, you know? And then when I got the regular job, I like started going to the doctor and they're like, oh, you have all these things, you know what I mean? And then you have to stay in the job that makes you uncomfortable. Ah, what a catch 22. Because at this point it was before Obamacare. I couldn't buy into a healthcare plan. Yeah. That was the heater for anyone listening. Yeah, the heater. This is, we're on the top floor. It's all good. Um, well, whatever you want to talk about doesn't have to be funny. I know, but I just – that's just <laughs> – you're just like, oh, I've just been in a crisis state. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I I think – well, what I wanted to talk about was, you know, I got, I got a great therapist. And then um, I got freelancer's insurance in New York, which lets you to buy in through freelancers. So then I left the job that was actually making me more depressed. And then I was able to like take care of my health, you know, problems. And then I started, you know, rebuilding and, um, but I think I was still sort of, I, I was sort of just walking around every time something happened, I would weigh, it would, it would take me to this place of crisis instead of being like, I can probably handle this situation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I didn't have to go all the way up to the top of an extreme. And then that causes you, you know, to, then you would spend two days laying on the floor to recuperate from being so worked up. And I was like, I'm not in a, this is not a crisis anymore. The situation has passed. Um, and then what I wanted to tell you about, cause I thought it was just so funny is I got the, I got a stomach flu and I, I don't really get, I hadn't, I don't think I've had the flu and I had a fever and I, I, I was throwing up a lot and I was in the bath and I guess I was singing, I was singing Beatles song. I don't even, didn't even notice until my, the person who lives next door, like yelled at me through the bathroom wall. I was just like <laughs> laying on the floor singing, Hey Jude. I was just. Wait, cause you're, you were so fucked up from the fever that you were just singing. Yeah. I was forgot. like trying to comfort myself. You know what I oh. mean? <laughs> And I was, you know, if you ever, I've never had the flu really bad, but I was really like crying. You know what I mean? You're like, this is fucking awful. Like, and your neighbor was what, banging on the wall? He was like, come on, dude. Because our bathroom is like, right, we share a thing. And he was like, all right. <laughs> and I was like, I'm Zach. It was very dramatic. And um, I was watching this. It's called Taboo. It's with Tom Hardy. And he wrote it with his dad. And at the time I was like, oh my God, he wrote it with his dad, you know? <laughs> And he's like covered in, he puts like soot on his face and he wears a weird hat. And I was like, I think that's how Tom Hardy picks roles. He's like, is there a mask? You know what I mean? He's just, (laughs) but there was this one scene where it's towards the end where this lady, all these changes were happening. And this lady was like, I'm afraid. And he said, are you smart? And I haven't watched it since. So I'm paraphrasing. And she said, yes. And he said, then don't be afraid. And obviously I know you can be smart and bad things happen and not be afraid, but it was in that moment. And I had like this fever and I was dramatic that I realized I, since this accident, I've just been reacting to things. I Mm -hmm. haven't been like, I can make choices and take care of myself and make decisions for myself um, and go back to living my life. I don't have to be scared all the time. So you just felt scared all the time. Yeah, I just walked around sort of feeling scared is like I didn't feel like it was an immediate fear, but I definitely felt like who who is who is going next? <sighs> like where should I be trying to help? Well, what's wild is you're going to so I know when I decided to move uh from the East Coast to the West Coast, I had had a lot of I, I've lived I lived on the West Coast before, and part of why I moved back to the East Coast was because I was like, oh, my parents are getting older, I want to be there. And then when I decided a few years ago to move back to the West Coast for career reasons, it was just a better situation for my husband and I. I I felt guilty because my parents are now even older, um, and I said to my dad, I was like, you know, I feel bad that I'm moving. 
Um, and he's like, why? He's like, not, he's, <laughs> he's like underneath all of his short, hairy Italian man energy. He's like the sensitive guy, but like, he's kind of mean about it. <laughs> and so I was like, I feel bad moving. And he's like, why? And I was like, well, what if something happens to you guys? It's like far away. And he goes, what are you, a fucking doctor? <laughs> and I was like, no. He goes, so what are you going to do about it? And I was like, I guess nothing. And it was like his rough way. It was basically his way of being like, follow your dreams, you know, like do what's best for you. But that kind of – because I don't think I had as much panic as it sounds like you did because I also didn't experience what you did. But just in – you know, being a sensitive kid and also just having like a really close knit Italian immigrant family where like, you know, I could have lived at home till I was 30 if I wanted, like no one would have cared. I could move back there now and they'd be like, yes, eat this pasta. You know, like there's it. I've always had this guilt of being far away. And so for my dad to say that, I don't know, it just kind of like took away some of the fear Mm. because if you're just sitting around waiting for something bad to happen, like, if you're sitting around waiting for people that they might die, like, you're kind of dead. Yeah. It's a horrible place to be. Yeah. So you don't feel that way as much anymore? Well, I I thought about it really. You know, my, my mother's father, I was staying here. And when my mother's father died um, four years, three years ago, uh, my mother would constantly come down and help out her father because her mother had died when she was. And I sort of felt... I'm the closest person. So I felt responsible. Like I, I need to be able to be there. Cause my mom, I didn't want my mom to have to deal with all that. Obviously she's still, even though it's been a decade, she's still recovering. You know what I mean? It was a very big accident. And it was this weird feeling that when my grandfather died, I felt this sort of responsibility be like, you can go now, you know? And that's mm-hmm. when I realized I was, had been staying in case I was needed. And then, um, this year I saw my parents so many times and I sort of realized I actually talked to them about it. I said, I I want to try this life that I've wanted and I feel like I need to be here, but me driving home and me flying from Los Angeles is the same amount of time. I also have it in my mind that at a certain point, I'm an only child, you know, I will be back in Maine, you know? And so I feel like I, this is the time to try new things. Oh, yeah. Would your parents ever move or no? No. Yeah, mine either. <laughs> Never. Um, I also, you know, I go home a lot just because, you know, my 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 mom had a hospital thing over December. You know what I mean? I I don't talk about it socially because I feel like it's her it's her private. Yeah. You know, but I I you know, you have a parent that needs help. I, I go home often and I feel like I will continue to do that. Obviously I'm safe about it. We quarantine, we take tests, we get there. I was home for three months. I didn't touch my mother once. Um, oh my God. Did you wear masks and, and just were like, we wore masks. I, I, my parents are so like, I felt like I had to go there to be a bouncer. You know what I mean? Cause my mom was like, Oh, it's just Mary from church coming over. And I was like, Mary from church has the plague. <laughs> oh, you're making me anxious. Um, so, you know, we're very careful and, uh, but I wanted that time. And also I, I like to, you know, it's when there's only two people there, they, you know, I felt like we could help out with some stuff. So I, I will find a way to go back if it's, I might actually drive out there. So if I drive, whatever it is that has to work, I'm going to make it work. I t- Oh yeah. And so I also told, we talked to my parents over Christmas and they did this really nice thing, which for them was huge. Cause they're not positive people. Um, they love me very much, but positive thinking is not like in the way they were brought up. It just Same. doesn't exist. Same. But they gave uh, my partner and I a card with a uh, a couple. I can't believe I just said a couple. It was a dog and a cat uh, <laughs> driving a car in sunglasses <laughs> with the top down. And it said, Aww. to your California dreams. And like, I totally cried because I said to them, I want to be available to come home all the time, but I also want to go for this life that I've always wanted. And I need you guys to be on board with me. And I love you so much for my whole life. And um, our lease is up here and work isn't going to, I'm going to run out of money before work comes back. So I need to open up other work opportunities. Yeah. But that is the parent. Like I, I imagine that's the paradox of parenting. So with my parents, like I said, like, you know, like all my cousins live 
in Massachusetts, like within, you know, a few miles of their parents. My sister lives there. So I actually am a little bit off the hook because there's one of us there. And thankfully, you know, knock on wood, my parents have not had a lot of health things that they've needed us for. Um, and hopefully that lasts. So, you know, having my sister there has definitely taken a little bit of the pressure off. We're like, just for whatever reason, she got, maybe because she's older, I have no idea, but she sort of got categorized as like the responsible <laughs> one. And I'm like the young wild one that like lives in different cities and has a nose ring, you know, and like all that this young stuff. and wild Julia. Yeah. And I'm a comedian and all this stuff. And, uh, and so that part, but it, it has been really interesting to watch my parents go from not understanding why I would leave, which was years and years ago, to being, I think, very much in awe of me being away and like becoming my own person and and not feeling like I have to live close. And I just it it must be such a a, a mind fuck for for a lot of parents, especially of a certain age, because you raise your kids with the hope that they are, you know, strong and independent and successful. But then like it like hurts when they leave, you know? And yeah. it's and so how do you because I mean, I I just my again, like my daughter is under one year old, like she's not even speaking yet, really. And I'm already like, oh my God, is she going to leave? Like, I can't even imagine having her out of my sight. I mean, I realized- <laughs> Totally this- going to make me cry. Uh- yeah. But like, it's just, it's, it, it, uh, it is a wild thing because you like make this thing and then you just set them out into the world. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Yes, you're the first person to cry on the pod. Oh, don't don't tell anybody. <laughs> Except for everyone listening. <laughs> I just I feel that way about I think because my mom was in that car crash, our roles reversed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, that makes so much sense. Where you felt like you became the parent yeah. and you didn't want them to be far. Yeah. So I'm like always like very like, but I was like, we're doing this, Leah Bonama. You have to. I mean, also, I'll go back and visit, and she will just – I was like, you're going to live to be, like, 120. You're such uh, – my mom is, like, such a pushy broad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, you guys are going to be, like, 120. So, like, don't worry yeah. about it. I also – you know. I also – they're artists, and they move far away from their family. And I was like, I got this from you. Yeah. This is your fault. <laughs> Yeah, my parents are not artists. Although, you know, I'm, my dad's an electrician, which I think is an art in and of itself. And my mom oh, it really is, is. It really is. I mean, that is a, that's a whole other conversation. But I think everything is art. Blah blah blah. Uh, I. But that is like you being happy. And I remember my mama says this to me all the time. And I'm. It sounded like a cliche when I was younger, but now it makes so much sense. Like all, if most parents unless they're like a raging lunatic narcissist, most parents just want their kids to be happy. It might hurt. Like the process for their kids finding that joy might hurt because they miss them or they don't agree with their life choices or whatever. But like a good parent just wants their kid to thrive. Yeah. You know? Um Wait, so to go back to the Tom Hardy thing, because I don't want to minimize the significance of it, but so even though you were like doing all this work on yourself and you were in therapy, you said, right? Yeah, I really walked out. I'm an incredible therapist. I still was like, um, I think the best way to describe it is I was reacting to everything. But but it was really this scene in the movie it really that was. like clicked. I, I like laid there. I thought about it. I actually went and I joined, I hadn't been like, I went to the doctors for things that like, like I had that panic attack. I got a therapist and then I had some like other problems, but I wasn't, you know, I never had a general care practitioner because I'm so afraid of doctors at this point. And I was like, you're going to, I never had a savings account. I didn't, I did any, I lived like tomorrow was like the end. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was like, you're going to live you're going to, as if you may have a future. I started a savings account. I mean, it has nothing in it much, but it was something. <laughs> I got a general care practitioner. Um, I joined Weight Watchers, which it's not about like losing weight or whatever, but I was, um, 
I had very unhealthy eating habits, you know, as far as like I would overeat and then I wouldn't eat, you know what I mm-hmm. mean? And yeah. I was like, we're going to deal with life instead of being afraid of it. And it was really that fucking scene. It was, and it's so silly that it was that scene. And I think it's because I also had this fever and I was just, you know, but I, I mean, that was the year I started working on, for as far as comedy, I started working on a clean five. I was like, what do you mean? Everybody else can have a clean five and you can't have a clean five? Why don't you work on a fucking clean five, you know? But I, I don't think it's that crazy that that is the thing that helped you. I mean, isn't that the whole point of art and the hope of art that, like, it affects people? And, you know, like, people have that relationship with songs and with, you know, books and whatnot. I mean... I can't necessarily, I'm really bad at like, <laughs> like my husband will just start quoting movies and I'm like, who are you talking to right now? He's like, oh, it's the scene from, <laughs> you know, Big Lebowski. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, you know, like he's so, I, I'll like forget everything about a movie, but I will remember the one thing that affected me. Yeah. And and I think it's, you know, it, it doesn't matter what it is that it's this Tom Hart, like, but Obviously, you needed to hear that at that point, and you always have to wonder, like, did that movie come into your life at that point? Right. Like, you never know where the message is going to come from. Yeah, it's so it is very. You no, know, it's a great point, especially about art doing that for us. Yeah. Um. It, you know, especially yeah, I really was like, oh, I I just hadn't thought of it that way, and not, and it wasn't in a judgy way. It was just like I know I'm letting my fear of everything block the fact that I have, I have access to knowledge and like I hadn't had great healthcare as, as an, as a self-employed person before. And I, I should just use it and I can deal with consequences. I've dealt with them before. I have to stop being afraid of things and just, it's almost like I have to put my feelings and anxiety about things to the side because I have so many old tapes that have nothing to do with the situation and just let my this is how we handle it. You know, I'm going to do the steps. I'm going to do the thing. And then I'm going to do the next thing. And then I'm going to do the next thing. And I'm not going to listen to all this screaming because it mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily have to do with anything that's happening right now. It's so hard to see the steps, though, when you are in that mode of panic. Yeah. You know, the steps seem like huge leaps and like, you know, I, I'm, I don't know why I'm thinking of like Super Mario Brothers when they have to like, you know, jump over like lava and like all this stuff like that's what the steps look like when you're in a panic place they seem impossible but you're right it's like the simple notion of like you put one foot in front of the other and you just do what you have to do I mean it's a very again like I my panic and fear doesn't really stem from a health place I'm actually oddly the opposite of okay so my husband is a hypochondriac it's really interesting because he'll be like panicked about something health wise. And I'm almost, I don't know if I've become this way to balance us out, but I'm almost, almost the opposite where like, I will have like a, a gush, like blood gushing out of my arm and I'll be like, we'll just like, we'll go later. I just want to finish this pizza. You know, like I'm not, I'm not bad about my health. Like I go, you know, I go to the doctor every year. I go to the dentist. Like I take care of everything, but I don't have that same, um, it's almost the opposite in a way, maybe not in a great way, because I do think a lot of people do this as well. And I think especially women, where you're sort of like, I'm fine, you know, and that's like the opposite end of the spectrum of being like, I'm fine. And it's like, just take an aspirin. I'm like, oh, I'll just, okay, I'll take it later. I'm fine. Like, I don't know what that is, but it's almost like a, I don't want people to worry about me because there's so many other things that you could worry about. I understand what you're what you mean you know like my health's fine yeah i'm fine and my health is fine like knock on wood and that that's a that's a privilege and i realize that but i don't know what my marriage would be like if we were both no that's terrified of health stuff i think that's um i don't know if you when i did the i colbert i had this bit about being complimentary damaged and i yeah and i just wrote down how i wanted to extend that because i really think that that's such an important thing for couples if you have especially if you get through something with somebody you both can't be the same way in the in the same oh yeah one of you has to be one way and the or the other otherwise it's going to be too far in one hole yeah my husband is you know worried about a, a small 
you know, mosquito bite being a lump. And then I'm on the other side of the house going, but why do these people hate me? And he's like, who are you talking about? I'm like, everybody. Like, you know, like that's where my, you know, and we're, and he doesn't get that at all. Like he, I mean, he gets it because he loves me and he's learned to understand me, you know, but it doesn't register with him that kind of way of thinking. Cause my anxiety and I feel like I've talked about this so many times in the podcast, but whatever. Uh, it's it definitely comes from more of like a social place, um, like a rational thinking about social stuff and like how I'm viewed and people being mad and me making a mistake and me doing something wrong. And it comes from that kind of place. It it I mean, it's almost like, well, I don't have time to think about the fact that I might be dying because uh, I need to make sure people will be at my funeral. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I'd rather be dead than have nobody at my funeral. Um, You're killing me. <laughs> I get it. I get very anxious about things I post. Did I say the right thing? Was that the right? Um, I just want to make people feel nice. And I get anxious that I somehow didn't say something that made, I don't know if that's this, the same way, but I mean, I understand. Oh, that. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that, that I don't know this for a fact, but I do wonder if if that kind of caretaker because I consider myself caretaker as well. And I think when you have caretaker energy and like problem solver energy, you probably, you take people's feelings into consideration more. And I don't think it's a bad thing. No, but sometimes I mean, I think, it is overwhelming. Yes. If you're taking over every, because I often realize, oh, I'm thinking about everybody else. And I've never been like, oh, how do I feel about this situation? Yeah. And I, I, you know, what happens is then you, other people's feelings inform how you feel, you know, and that's not, then you don't actually know how you feel. Like that's sort of, it's a, it's a hard thing because it feels, um, I'm going to say it feels selfish, but I just wasn't raised like that, I guess. I wasn't either. I don't know. I was not either. So I, yeah, I have a I have a caretaker mom. She's a house, you know. She she's she's a stay at home mom. She's a martyr. She's amazing, but she like she will not finish. Like she, I would be when I was living in New York, she'd be like, "Hey, Julia, I, um, we go to this a birthday party today, but they have a cake. I bring you home a piece." I'm like, I'm not coming home for like two months. <laughs> I put it in the freezer. I'm like, please just eat the cake. Like it's like a supermarket store bought cake, but like she can't. It like pain, like she needs to put, like she can't enjoy unless she knows I'm also enjoying and it's very sweet and it's, you know, it it makes me want to cry when I think about it. But I, I also think it, uh, just eat the fucking cake. (laughs) Right. right. I'll go buy a cake. Right. No, I get it. So do you, so you feel less panic now? I mean, obviously, cause you're making some like big changes and, and how's your, how's your partner about this he's stuff? Been, like, this- he's great. He, um, I, I mean, I do feel like my, my body is doing that thing. Like I got a rash, you know what I mean? All the, my body's like, we will not step out of this comfort zone. You know what I mean? Um, and I was like, we are doing it. And he's been great. You know, he had his, um, his father passed away last year from brain cancer, which was very hard, you know, and he, he went and was stayed in hospice with him and they had that time together. And, um, I think that we're both really ready to do something new and to, cause also the weird thing about the pandemic and is that we'd had these, like every year we'd had a big death where we sort of, tried to be there and present and, you know, caregivers. And um, then you just come right back to life and you're like, life is happening. I got to do comedy. I got to do all these things. And like the, the pandemic, we had to stay inside and, you know, obviously you're worried about the whole world, but then also it's the first time that you stop and you're like, I've been living in this and you get to grieve. Like I would have never cried a year ago, Julie, Julia. Ever. I, I haven't cried in front of a human being. In my therapist, I won't cry in front of her. I don't. I've just pushed it all down because like, you have tons of shit to do. You're going to deal with 10 years of tragedy right now. You can't do it. You know what I mean? Ugh. So like 
because the pandemic had this weird thing where we um, sort of had to got, we didn't have to pretend that life was okay for yeah. a year. Um, and so have you been crying a lot more this year? Oh yeah. I, I will just be like, uh, Oh my God, that's so beautiful. Like when I see something happy and I'll cry or I'll be like, you know, it really made me sad. And then I'll just start crying or I'll just be like, I'm going to sleep all day or, you know what I mean? And it's just, um, I'm much more, and I'll be like, oh, it's been really hard worrying about a parent for so long. And I felt like, you know, you know what I mean? And which I've never said out loud before. And so I, I do think that because we were forced to stop, the world has never stopped before, even though it felt like my life stopped. Obviously, wow. obviously not that that I don't, it's, I feel so bad for what everybody's going through. And so many people have had so much loss. Um, but like, we had to stay inside and sit with it all, which I've never done before. I've just kept going. Yeah. I mean, the what you just said, I think you said so many things just now in that short amount of time that I think are important. I mean, but you're right. Like making time to feel your feelings is something I don't think a lot of people do. And I don't think you're taught to do it because we live in a capitalist society we live in a in a society where success and money and fame and power is, you know, royalty, right? Like that is mm-hmm. that is your goal. Like your goal as a human in this society is to be rich and successful and powerful. And to take any time to step back and like feel is not as encouraged. And then we wonder why everybody is like there's such a mental health crisis going on. And and I agree with you about the pandemic. Like I have had the privilege of this being a slowdown time for me. And it really, it worked out, you know, not to keep going back to, but like having a kid during a pandemic was blessing and a curse, curse that a lot of people can't meet her and we don't have any help, but blessing in that, like I've, I'm really able to experience being a new mom and feel how I want to do it. And like, I've had so much time when I was pregnant, I had a lot of time to like deal with certain fears that I had about becoming a mom and like heal some wounds. And not that I needed to do that before she arrived, but I had so much time Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. And like you said, you know, my heart goes out to every single person affected by it because everyone is affected by it in different ways. But if you are someone who hasn't had the luxury of, you know, staying home and collecting unemployment while you journal, um, (laughs) you know, I, I wish everyone had that, that experience, but it's, you have to, you know, your situation is your situation. And if you got something positive out of it, great. You know, you're just gonna bring that positivity when the world opens back up. Yes, I'm very glad you got to be with your daughter. <laughs> I want to reference that. I think that's so it's so weird to say such a gift and such a but I mean it is. Yeah. And um are you going to cry again? No. <laughs> it's more crying than I've ever done. If I cry it's because I cried now. No, I, I was love it. I was actually going to say I feel like New York could really up their uh, unemployment for freelancers. But I uh that's Yeah. I was like also we got to go cuz we got to find a job. But um I did I did also like when you were saying earlier with the missing your family in the beginning of this, my parents were like come home and we're like, you know, it was we didn't know where what was happening. I didn't want to risk what I we didn't know how it got trans you know what I mean and so I stayed here and I wrote that Christmas novel um yeah because it's about a girl who goes home to live with her family and I wanted to the same way that entertainment makes people feel I wanted to have this like other life where this person could do that even though it's not me. It's a character. It's like a Christmas romance. But I wanted yeah, for anyone listening. Leah wrote a Christmas novel <laughs> that you should purchase. I just I love those movies. I wanted a happy ending, and I wanted to live in this place where it was like this happy fake world, you know, where somebody gets to go home and be with their family. Um, there's some smooches, but that's. <laughs> Smooches. <laughs> so, what do you think? So, t- you know, so Tom Hardy changes your life. Tom Hardy changed my life. 
And, and you have less fear. So do you, I don't have less fear. I just am like, I'm not the fear. (laughs) I do not have less fear. Let's be clear. (laughs) (laughs) I literally will like lay on the floor and be like, why are we doing? But it's sort of like, we're doing it anyway. You know what I mean? I'm not going to let this take over. Is there, are there steps, like, just because if anyone's listening who experiences the same thing that you have experienced, is there like a method to managing your fear that you've been doing? Or is it just a shift that happened in you? Um, well, my therapist drew me this two parallel lines. Mm-hmm. And I vis- I carry it in with me all the time. It still has so many holes in it now. And I visualize I'm staying in my moods are staying in between these two parallel lines until I have information. Yes, people are going to die. You know what I mean? Yes, there are going to be crises. Yes, things are going to come up that aren't expected. But until I actually know that's happening, I'm not going to go off my parallel line charts to the point where I get so worked up about something that I don't even know that I then crash out for two days. You know what I mean? I'm just going to stay and I'm going to do something. You know what I mean? I'll be like, oh, I'm afraid of going to doctor. I'm just going to go. And then I'm going to take a dance class and I'm going to think about something else. I'm going to, I'll watch a TV show. I'll, you know, I'll start writing like that. Writing that book for me was like, um, once we sat in, like Dustin and I, I think sat in silence for like two months. We were just like sitting here, just like staring. You know what I mean? Just, (laughs) and then once that was done, I was like, I need to have something I need to have something. So I'd start to panic or I'd start and I'd be like, you're writing. And then I would be like, da, 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 and you're writing. And you know what I mean? I would just do a thing. I would have a thing I do that I was so nervous about not being able to pay bills. So I was like, you're just going to write something. You're just going to write something. You know what I mean? I was like, and you're going to do the thing and you're not going to worry about all the 800 possible things because it's so exhausting. And you're yeah. going to do the thing and you're going to stay in the, you're going to stay in the lines. Um, and I, I always do better when I, for my moods, and I know this about myself, I do so much better if I eat regular, but I, I am, it's hard for me to get off like overeating and then undereating. It's hard to mm. step back. And I definitely, so, but I know that I do better when I, it really affects my moods, my eating. And, um, you know, I don't drink, that affects my moods. And uh, if I, even if it's just a walk, I got to move. It affects my moods, mm-hmm. but it's like, these are all things I do. I also know that I take in other people's feelings. So mm-hmm. I, empath? I mean, I feel like empath with this is like something that people would bestow upon you. So I don't want to say that about myself, but I definitely take in other people, like a sieve. And so yeah. sometimes I have to not be available um, because obviously not in any kind of, emergency situation but sometimes people just want to like dump shit and then yeah. I so you know I have to be like okay you're shutting off your phone or like you can't call this person more than this amount of times because it's hard you know even though I in my mind I'm like just um so those are things that I do to try to just and it's really worked out for me to be like I can have goals I can have things that I want to do you know for me and I'm allowed to do that and to work towards them and I'm also allowed to fail. And if I do something bad, I don't have to like lay awake all night and be mortified, even though I do anyway, because that's how people get better at things. So it's just sort of like repetition and telling myself, I need to do something. For me, that's what gets me out of. And that's what I feel like Tom Hardy was saying to me. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Like just sitting in fear of things, like just do the next thing. And then if something arises, I will meet the challenge, you know? Yeah. But I don't have I to sit here that. and wait for another fucking phone call that ruins my life, you know? Yeah, because the phone call is going to come whether or not you're living or waiting for yeah. it. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like, you waiting for the devastating phone call isn't going to – reduce it coming or not. And also I love the idea of the two lines. I don't know why in my head I'm like, if you ever get a tattoo, I don't know if you have tattoos, but that would be a great tattoo. Just two lines. Oh, so you don't have to carry that piece of paper around. <laughs> I, I had to go to a doctor's, even just like regular doctor's appointments. I don't do, I have like 
this poor dermatologist, I had like a weird mole two weeks ago. Uh-huh. I had nightmares about it. I go into the, by the time I get there, I'm so worked up. I tell her all the dreams, you know, telling people dreams. It sounds so stupid. I was like, I had a dream. I came here. You weren't you. And you know, you'd see her being like, Jesus Christ. Somebody <laughs> give her a Xanax. You know what I mean? But I'm like yeah. holding my little piece of paper. I'm like, it's just a fucking mole removal. Look at, and then I was like, look at you having a doctor going to the doctor, even though you don't want to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Five years ago, you would have waited until they had to remove your whole fucking back. So you know what? This is huge progress. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I wrote her a thank you note and I was like, hey, sorry I freaked down your office. Great job. <laughs> you not you knocked it out of the fucking park and uh <laughs> You knocked the mole out of my back or wherever the face. Um that's great though. I mean, I guarantee you there's people listening to this who relates so hard to that. And I hope, what is the Tom Hardy movie? It's a, oh, it's a TV show that they did not renew. Oh, uh, called taboo. Okay. And I honestly Watched. don't even know. It might be an insane show. I have no idea, but it, you know what I mean? I was saw this. You had a fever when you were watching. Fever. I remember it was like, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what happened in a lot of it. I just like came to in this moment where Tom Hardy had like, he like stood on his face from a fireplace and he was talking to this lady. And I was like, yes, this, this is it. This is it. <laughs> you just made me think of, I don't know why this didn't pop my head before. I had uh, kind uh, <laughs> it was uh gosh, I'm trying to think of which depressive episode it was. I think it was probably eight years ago or something, 10 years ago. I, uh, I used to go to the Jersey shore my I, I my friend's mom owns a house at the Jersey Shore who I went to college with. And so we went there one summer and then we would try to go. We st- we would go like every summer for a weekend well into our 30s. And so fun. It's like, yeah, I think it was like in my late 20s, early 30s. I can't even remember what was going on, but I was super depressed. I probably should have just not gone on the trip, but I went and they're like, we're going to go to the bar. I'm like, I think I'm going to stay in. And they're like, oh, okay. And I watched... Uh, that she didn't have like a lot of channels on the TV. And so the only thing I could find was this P90X, um, you know, the, yeah. the exercise thing. Yes. P90X infomercial that, that was like on repeat, like over and over again. And I just laid on the couch and watched it for hours. <laughs> and it was, but it was like people at being like, get off the couch and move your body. And I was like, okay. like, and just cried. And Nothing that they said in the ad really sparked it. But when they came home, when the girls came home and they were like, have you been on the couch this whole time watching this? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, okay, we're kind of worried about you. I was like, that's fair. Like that was, and so I, again, it's like a little bit, it's different, but I do whenever I hear about P90X or really like any home gym system, it does kind of give me a similar spark of like, do something like, because that was that was one of my I've had many do something moments. Usually for me, it's been about mental health, not physical health. And that was like a very much a do something. I was like, what what the fuck are you doing on this trip with these girls? Like frowning the whole time. Like if I needed to feel what I should have done was not go on the trip and felt my feelings or got on the trip and said to them, I'm having a really hard time. Can we not go to the bar tonight? I would love to like stay home, make dinner and talk, you know, like there was other ways to handle it. Instead, I was like, bye guys, I'm fine. And then just like watching these people being like, and rep seven and rep eight. And I'm like, I want to die. Like that was. (laughs) So thank you so much to P90X for uh, getting me out of that depressive episode. I I love it. We all mean like, this is how I should have handled it. Like you did what you could do in the moment. Right. But it was a great lesson in taking, because I think that's what your story, you know, seems about too. It's like fear isn't going to go away or like, I shouldn't say it shouldn't go away, but like fear, depression, anxiety, whatever it is you're dealing with problems, they, you can't always control them. You know, you can learn to maintain them. You can learn to reduce them. You can learn to cope with them, but what you can control is the action you take. Yes, right? yes. So that's really what your what your what I think your your breakthrough it sounds like was like take action. Like you can't avoid being afraid because your fears are really valid. You know, those are valid fears, 
but if they just debilitate you and you don't take any action, then like, yeah, you're, you're a slave to them. And I also, um, you're always very astute. I was like, when I was coming on, the <laughs> like Julia knows she's like, so uh, in tune with other people. That's why I was like, oh, thank I you. Was like, I was like, I can't, I can't even hide. You know what I mean? I'm just going to be completely out of <laughs> But, um, <laughs> That's such a nice. Well, you are. Um, I feel like you're always like very um, right in the. Why is the word not coming to my brain? It'll come in like two minutes. But you're just. I love to blab. I'm a no, but you also hear people, and you're insightful, and you have you know, there's no bullshitting. I feel like you're just going to go right to the heart of something. So I was like, I'll just be vulnerable because Julia is going to see it. But um, there's no hiding, you know what I mean? But um, my thought was also that I that I really felt in this pandemic was that, and since the Tom Hardy affair, um, <laughs> I also want to dwell in gratitude. Like for all these health fears I have, like I have a body that has showed up for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm actually, I, I have... Some people have all these cry. I've really, it's done me well. And I'm doing it a disservice by these, these anxieties where I get rashes, worrying about things that I could just go, you know, it's obviously about something else. And I'm, I'm not appreciating here. I am, you know, we're, we're young. I, I'm like, I, I, I dance, take, take dance classes. Like I'm not, I want to dwell in gratitude because it's yeah. it's almost disrespectful to this life that I've been given, you know? And so not to be like, oh, bad me, I should have, but to be like, I want to be present in this gift that I have of this body that keeps showing up. And and then also to be like, I already got that phone call. I had a, I lived through a fucking nightmare with my, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't, she was like almost dead for five weeks straight. And I, I, I wanted to leave, you know, you just want to be like, I can't, take this. This is a nightmare. And I fucking stayed there and I showed up. And so I'm going to be grateful for that that worked out and grateful for my body and be like, I want to live in that as opposed to this, this fear that's debilitating. Yeah. I love, I mean, yeah. And you should be like, that's why I was saying like, I'm, I'm like, you should have pride in that. Like, that's the thing too, is I think, it would be really great if not only do we give ourselves more time to feel our feelings, but feel proud of it. Because I mean, there was a long time where I'd be like, I'm sorry I cried. I'm sorry I was depressed. Like, I'm sorry I was sad. And it's like, I'm not really, I mean, yeah, if I'm like weeping 24 seven at like a wedding and a birthday party, then no one wants to be around <laughs> like, wah, wah. But yeah, I've gotten a less, a lot less apologetic about feelings, even if they're uncomfortable because you know, like gratitude's a tricky. I mean, I, I've talked about gratitude so many times in this podcast. Like it, like even when we were saying, like I'm so grateful that I had time during this pandemic to reflect because some people didn't have time. For some people, they spent this pandemic like really struggling with survival, mm-hmm. and and I empathize with them. And 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 it's weird because I almost feel guilt, like. I almost feel guilty sometimes when wonderful things happen or when I'm in a good situation, I'm really trying to change that guilt to gratitude because the guilt, what does it do? Yeah. Guilt, you know, guilt is not a, an emotion that has any action in it because you do do things. You are very aware of other people. I've, I've seen all your, you know, I feel like you, you volunteer and you reach out to people and you try to help. Oh my God. I can't handle all this kindness. Yeah, but you do. <laughs> like, that's I what I, I like so much about you. I respect it. Yeah, I feel like you're. I I mean, thank you. It's so funny. I feel like you'll appreciate this. Uh, I mean, I get that feeling guilty because I do it too. But it's like, it's not, it's not an emotion that has an action. Yeah. Well, I I feel like you'll appreciate this when you were saying about feel, like feeling like you can open up or whatever. Years ago, I don't know, it's probably like seven years ago, in a matter of like a month, uh, and this was like around when I was, um, maybe it was longer than that, but it was like I, I had gotten divorced and then I went through a breakup and I was like, I did this show about a divorce. I was very public about mistakes I made in my marriage and um dating stuff. And so like in a, in a month, I think like three different comedians 
confided in me that they were cheating mm. on their partners. Oh, wow. And and I was like, okay. Like, I just, like, listened. And, like, their stories were all I, – I had a lot of empathy for them. I'm not condoning cheating whatsoever. But they felt really stuck. And, and so I made a joke to someone where I was like – I think I'm like the cheater whisperer. And they're like, that sounds really bad. And I'm like, no, I just mean, I don't know why, but like all these people are confessing to me that they've cheated. And I, I haven't told a soul. Like I never like, I would never fucking tattle or tell someone's business. Like that's not my style. And they were like, yeah, but like calling yourself the, cause I was like, should this be my brand? Like I was like literally <laughs> trying to figure out what to do with this. And they're like, no, Julia, no one's going to want to be around the cheater whisperer. <laughs> like, it sounds like you're giving them tips on how to cheat and being like, you go girl or you go boy, you cheat. Like it's, that was stupid. I think that was related. I don't know. Uh <laughs> It's very funny. I also keep thinking you're saying the cheetah whisperer and I'm Oh the cheetah. Yeah. No cheetah and I immediately imagine you in a one piece cheetah outfit. I mean, what a dream. If I could just wear a cheetah outfit and have people tell me secrets and somehow that was a career, <laughs> I guess it's like a talk show. Host. I mean, I mean, I feel like that's not far. You know what I mean? I could imagine <laughs> it. I can imagine it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, just so I can compliment you, I just want to say that you also, the show often turns into just me and another person complimenting each other, and I hope people <laughs> listening enjoy it. Uh, you're just so fucking funny and so, like, that that your, pos- your positive energy, like, really, like, that empathy and positive energy does radiate. I hope you know that. Thank like, you. it really, you're, like... I, I get very happy. Well, it's been years, but like if I walk into a place and you're there, I'm like, yay. Like it's like always good vibes. So thank you. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Yeah, of course. Um, well, I feel like this might be the end of the pod. Oh my goodness. I feel so, I'll probably be like, oh my God, I'm not that emotional. I totally am. And I'm no, absolutely, I also think that this pandemic did a weird thing and then I'll, I'll zip my, my lips. Um, where this, like a lot of these things that we've dealt with over the past decade, I always be like, oh, that's, it's not for me to feel bad. It's actually other people that are going through the thing and I'm just here to help. And then this is the first time that I've been like, oh, you also feel bad too. You know what I mean? It's been hard yeah. for you too. And so I think that's why it's like this collective realization of how um, a, a, a struggle of humanity, you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I mean, everybody on this planet whether they seemingly have the best life or the worst life is in pain about something. Um, And I really, I mean, honestly, to bring it back to what you say, it's really about what you do with that pain. Do you take action with it? Like positive action where you practice gratitude and you're kind to other people and you work on yourself and you go to therapy or do you take negative action with it where you're an asshole to people and you're don't know how to control your temper and you're a fucking crazy person, you know? And so I think the more we admit that we're all, feeling shit instead of being like i don't give a fuck it's like really then why are you why are you constantly tweeting you don't give a yeah. fuck? you clearly if you didn't give a fuck you wouldn't even be online right. i also think it's so true every time i see it i'm like i have so many fucks why are you telling me yeah i um yeah. i uh what you said earlier i've, I've spelled so long feeling guilty that i no, don't feel you know that I, I would feel bad, like that I would feel, you know what I mean? And now I'm just like, uh, we don't have time for any of that. We just got to no, just got to get in there and live our life while we, while yeah, we you have it. Feel what you have to feel. And when, if you're practicing gratitude while you're, if, if you're, if you're feeling whatever you're saying, the word feeling so many times, bear with me. If you're feeling your feelings, even if you feel like, you know, oh, I don't deserve to be sad or I don't whatever, but you're also practicing gratitude. Like what else can you do? It's not, if, if you live in a nice house, but you're sad that like, you know, your marriage ended, it doesn't mean you don't get a right to feel sad just because you have a nice house, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's, it's all relative. And so I, I don't know. I just think the more open we are about what hurts it, it, People are going to bond. We might not bond on the, the the circumstances. Like I didn't experience what you did with your mom, but I certainly can relate to feeling close to wanting to be close to my parents, wanting to take care of people, 
being afraid of stuff that's not even happening, like the, the, the emotions I relate to, I might have a different circumstance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think we really figured it out. Um, there you are though. So in tune, so astute. <laughs> Leah, I ask everyone at the end of the show, an extremely important question. Mm. Should I get bangs? You know, um, I think a really big takeaway from this for me in life is always like not to relate something back to myself and be like, I was thinking about that for me because it's about you. But so funny. No, related to But you. so funny that you would bring it up because I was like, should I go back to Curly Bangs uh, right before this podcast? So I think whatever decision we make. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't want to. First of all, I always relate everything back to me. So if I've been doing something wrong this whole time, sorry. Oh, no, you haven't. No, uh, I just mean, I didn't mean you at all. I, I already said I feel like you're so in tune and astute. No, but I'm saying you should relate. You should relate things back no, to me. No, relate that's things how you... back to understand. But you know how like some people you'll talk to, you're halfway through a sentence and then they interrupt you and then they'll be like, you know, da, 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 da. And you'll be like, can I just oh. finish this thing I was saying about me? Uh, <laughs> I loved your curly bangs. They were really fun. I was thinking about, you know, I showered before this because I was like wow Julia, Julia deserves it and um I did not so like I was in a rough place so it's I felt like you would have <laughs> been able to sense the uh, the pits through the <laughs> but um I was like I was in the shower being like should I get those bangs before because of the uh, so I mean if you do it I would have to do it before I came out there because I don't know if I would trust any you know once you find somebody who does curly hair yeah are you going to do bangs well, I mean, again? I don't know. You know, for me, you know, bangs have always occurred in my life when I was going through a shift or craving a change or dealing with something. And I've thought – I've been thinking about it because pandemic bangs are definitely a thing. Um, and bangs always cover my grays. <laughs> so I get the grays in the front. Why don't, why you know, don't the, I hear yeah, yeah, I get the like poly walnuts, you know, kind of wings, walnuts. right? Like the the white wings or whatever. So I've been thinking about it mostly to cover up the grays, but I don't know. I even thought about I thought about shaving my head after I had a baby because she my hair got thinner and she pulls on my hair. So who knows what will happen? I mean, you could do both. You could just go all in. I love the side shaves. This girl that I went to middle school with, because she had like the perfect hair for it. I can't do it. It's my hair would get too knotted. But like you could do a side and then a bang. What? Wow. I mean, it would have to be an angled bang. But I mean, I, I, I threatened to go bleach blonde for a minute. And then I was like, that's more, I feel like that's guys version of bangs. Like girls get bangs and then guys, I've been noticing a lot of guys bleaching their hair blonde that's so true. during the pandemic. That's so true. And I'm like, whoa, I didn't know you were so, uh, you know, I don't know what the word punk rock or whatever. Like, they're just like, I'm a blonde dude now. I'm like, okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. Uh, listeners, stay tuned to see what Leah and I do to her hair. Our hair. Um, thank you so much for being on the show. This was such a delight. Thank you. And I'm going to yeah. say that it was somebody else who got emotional. I was... <laughs> Somebody took over my body. I am a hardcore person. I tell, yeah, you're so I hardcore. I tell dick jokes and yep. I pretend jerk off in the air on stage. <laughs> and I do not cry remembering my mom in a coma because I am a oh, tough I, woman. How dare you? Can I how tell you an amazing story though? Of course. Um, so, uh, so she's in this coma and, you know, people – Jury's out on what where people don't know anything about brains. It's really a and so my dad and I and my my significant other, we would like read and talk to her constantly and we only allowed positive vibes in the room. That was the rule. If we got bad news from a doctor, they had to tell us outside. And so I would just I would we would be night times, my dad would be daytimes. I put clo- closed captioning on the TV and I would either read from the animal planet. Um, it had to be something positive. So when my mom was in this coma. And I mean nothing. They thought she was like brain, like there was nothing. And so there was this, it was like a soap opera on the animal planet about this, these people, they were in Australia. They found this baby hippopotamus that had been left because the parent hippopotamuses got poached. It was so sad. So they took the hippopotamus into the house and obviously it turned into a full-size hippopotamus and it would like, it had like, students where it would like jump on the bed, like it thought it was a dog. And obviously it would, it would collapse the, you know, it had to be put back into the wild and so it was like this whole process of like getting the hippopotamus to be become a hippopotamus again and i i read it every 
you know, whatever night it came on on closed captionings to my mom. And then I am talking five years later. This is when my mom was totally out. We're sitting at dinner. I'm home. We're sitting at dinner. And my mom just looks at me and goes, um, I have this weird story of a hippopotamus in my head. Uh, do you know what happened at the end of it? <gasps> wow. Isn't that insane? Isn't that insane? Well, they say you should talk to like it's it, it kind of feels like it, it goes in line with that theory of like you should talk positively to your plants because they'll grow better and like you should talk positively to pets because they'll it helps them and that's so wild Isn't that wild it was a- what happened to that what happened to the hippopotamus? I don't know she like woke up and then I never saw the end of it um but I was like I don't know but just the idea that it was like in there Wow. And I just, That's beautiful. it was just such a, such a miracle. I mean, that was such a miracle and people, our town showed up for us and they did like a benefit and it was really incredible. I'm so glad. I'm so glad things worked out there and I'm, and I'm so glad you did the show. And is there anything you want to share? Get your book. Oh, if you want to, um, read my pandemic, uh, escape book. If you like Hallmark movies, but like funny, aware, it's like if a person was in a Hallmark and they were like, am I in a Hallmark? That's what it is. (laughs) What's it called? The Holiday Breakdown because her car breaks down and she has a mental breakdown. Yes. Very in line with the show. And you can get on Amazon. Yes. I self-publish. So it's on Amazon. Okay, cool. And follow you, Leah. Uh, what are your my um, my handles on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook are all at Leah Bonema, L E A H B O N N E M A, and I'm co-host of a podcast called Were You Raised by Wolves, and it's about being nice to people. That's so great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Man, this episode really made me miss my parents. And if it did the same for you, my little words of wisdom inspiration at the end of this episode is going to be call your mom uh, or your dad or whoever the caretaker is, was in your life. Call your grandmother, call your aunts, call your uncle, call your friend's mom, whoever it is, give them a call. It's really nice to get phone calls. We don't do phone calls very much anymore. And uh, let them know you love them. Maybe even send them a card. Send them a card. Go buy a stamp. Support the post office. Send your parents or your parental figures a card. Not for a holiday. Not for Mother's Day or Father's Day. Just a thank you card. Say thanks for doing the best job you could. Wouldn't that be nice to get a card like that? That's my suggestion for you. Uh, As always... Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And please keep sending in questions, breakdowns, breakthroughs, whatever you want to share to should I get bangs pod at Gmail. And on an upcoming episode, my sister and I, therapist sister Elena, will be answering emails. So that'll be super fun. All right. I'll talk to you next week. 